Hey, this is Angela and Alex, and we are Rooted Chaos, a podcast dedicated to inspiring and empowering women by being authentic, vulnerable, and kind. Hey guys. Hola. We're back. So excited. And we have Harriet with us again today, but she doesn't have a bell on her collar anymore, so you won't get to hear her little jingle jangle. No jingle jangle nope. for you today. No, nope. Shantae always says that that's, she loves to hear Harriet's little jingle. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> She's so dang cute, though. She has been a different cat. So last week on Super Bowl Sunday, we went and had Super Bowl with Harriet's uh, breeder mommy. So I guess it's Harriet's grandma. Yep. And um, they have one more of Harriet's litter mates that's still at home with them. And so we brought him home just for a play date. Cute. And I fell in love and didn't want to give him back. But... um, Harriet was scary mean to him the first night. Like, I was afraid for his life. His name's RJ. And she was, like, angry. She was making noises I have never mm-hmm. heard before. And she was hissing at him and growling. And, yep. And I, was, and I haven't clipped her nails for a little while, so her nails are super sharp. And I'm like, she's going to take out his eyeball. Mm-hmm. So I separated them for the first night. And Ashley's like, they will be fine. Yep. Just let them be for a minute. Yeah. They will be fine. They just have to figure it out. And I'm like, I'm afraid she's going to kill him. And so the next day I just opened up the doors and let them, you know, have their space. They became bestest buddies. And I gave him back on Friday, which was heartbreaking. I really didn't want to. But um, Harriet has been, she's she's a really sweet kitty, but she's very independent and like, Things are done on her time. She's very much a cat. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. <laughs> she'll come and sit on your lap, but you only get to pet her if she wants you to. And, you know, she's just very much, she's a cat. She has been the snuggliest, loviest cat since RJ went home ever. I'm like, oh, I think she knew. She was close to being replaced because he's so sweet and she is so not. She's just like a little beast. Sorry, kitty. That might change as she gets older. You got funk on your face. Um, but she's just such an independent little beast and mm-hmm. he was such a like snuggly, lovey little mm-hmm. guy. I think she knew she was on the verge of being replaced. My boy cat is more snuggly than one of my females. Yeah. One of your females likes to claw your face off. <sighs> okay. It's true. She, you should see, we should post a picture I, oh, yeah, of seriously. your scratch. No. Okay. So I have a cat, you guys, that doesn't see very well. So I adopted these two kittens when they were four weeks old. Um, they were orphaned at two because somebody's a... Butthole. Ba- yep. That's a that's a much nicer word. Uh-huh. Um, and shot their mom in the woods. <gasps> Stop it. And left these kittens orphaned. And um, yeah, don't let your teenagers have guns. Like, that's all I'm going to say. That's insane. That's my guess. I can mm, only... That hurts my heart. I cannot imagine that a grown man did that, but if they did, they're terrible human beings. Whoever did is a terrible human being. Anyway, um, so I, luckily for me, I got these two teeny, 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 tiny kittens, but Penelope didn't develop correctly. Obviously, she was incredibly malnourished, and we don't know how long she went until she was found, and so she doesn't see very well. Um, so she is a big, big snuggler. Like she's not a normal cat. Like if I'm home, she wants to be, she, she wants to be with me like 70% of the time. So she'll usually like snuggle on my chest and she does this whole thing where she wraps her legs around my neck. So she's like holding me. (laughs) She's so cute. cute. Um, but my dog jumped up on the bed while I was snuggling her a few days ago and it scared the shit out of her. And so she like got up and the only place she could run was forward and up I, your face uh, yeah that was unfortunately up my face so I've got this good old I mean it's probably like what three inches oh it's big yeah it's, it's way big. big and it's across like right it's underneath like, her, like right it's just like a continuation of your little smile line yes it is it totally <laughs> is <laughs> so yeah I called my mom and I was like You've got Scarface child on your hands now. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you came in, I have to tell you, your sister, she's a butthole. She's yeah, like, she is. <laughs> you need to give her shit about that scratch on her face. I'm like, don't <laughs> you worry. <laughs> don't you worry. I will handle that. Yeah, I texted a picture of it to my sisters and I was like, you guys still want cats? <laughs> but, oh, yes, you do. They're so sweet. Yeah, granted, that's not a normal cat thing. My cat just can't see. She can't see. So she didn't know what she was doing. It was totally innocent. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. 
Well, uh, Harriet was not innocent when uh, RJ first got here. She was so mean. Well, and then it was so weird because when... So my son brought both cats to my office. Mm -hmm. And then Ashley picked RJ up. And as soon as, like, Ashley and her little boy got there, Harriet went back to being mean. She was, like, hissing at him and, like... Who are you? That isn't nice that at is all. That is so funny. You know, cats are goofy like that. Like, my cats, I mean, obviously, my cats have been together now for, I don't know, two, three years. But they still get pissy and weird with each other all the time. That's well, just cats. Well, it's funny because, you know, these are hairless cats. So you could see when they would play and stuff, they'd scratch each other. Mm -hmm. And you could see it on oh, their... yeah. Like, there were scratches on their little skin. Out. It was stressing me out. Well, and she... And she what is happening? Hold on, guys. Hold on. My computer is being weird. All right. Um, <clears throat> but she, when they were like kind of getting used to each other, she has these little cat beds. Like she's got a couple of them. Uh -huh. And he would lay in them and she would just sit right outside of it and just smack at him. Just <laughs> like, get out of my bed. Mm -hmm. Get out of my bed. Yep. <laughs> and poor RJ's like, I just want to love you. I love that. So I love that about cats, though. That's like oh, oh, she's she's a little turd, but she's cute. I love her. Oh, my face. Okay, you have a scratch. I've got itchy face. Oh, I, that's the worst. This well, winter's been brutal on my face. Well, I got. Oh, yeah. We we have a. I have a remedy upstairs for you. Yeah. Um, I got my face microneedled the other day. One of my friends needed like a a demo, like a face demo person. Mm -hmm. So. I got micro needled for free, which is awesome. Yep. But I'm like, I'm like dry and itchy today. Well, oh. I was, yesterday was worse, but you can see like, yeah. so we're both a mess. It's yep. fine. It's great. It's fine. We can be a mess together, but this winter has been rough. It has. So, yeah. Um, oh, my belly just growled. I know. Did you hear yes, that? Yes, I did. I'm going to laugh. You guys are my, probably going to hear it. I'm going to laugh my ass off. I swear every time my belly growls, uh -huh. it's when I'm recording and you guys can always hear it. Um... <laughs> But, no, I just keep talking today because I don't okay, want to get right. to what we're talking okay, about. We <laughs> um, I can start it. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. So, today we are going to be talking about body image. <sighs> I originally said body positivity, but I actually don't necessarily like that title. So, uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about body image. And I was thinking... Um, you guys, this is going to be very similar to our vulnerability episode. Oh, God. And the vulnerability that's about to come out, because I'm going to tell you guys a story about my journey with my body that I don't even know if you know. Oh, okay. So. I'm going to be just an active listener. That's in not this, true. <laughs> in this one. Because that's what I was thinking is like we could Ooh. tell our story about our journeys with our bodies, because we both carry totally different perspectives. You know, you're a mom. I'm not. I have my journey. You have yours. And uh, I think both of our journeys will be able to relate with everyone. I think you're right. Okay. Oh, this is not easy, though. But you start. No, not at all. You start. Maybe it'll loosen me up. I should have, like, had a couple of shots before we started this. It's, <laughs> it's only like, 9 a.m. I was just going to say but... it's 9 o'clock in the morning. We're drinking coffee. It's fine. I know. Shots I should, of coffee. Too bad I didn't have Kahlua. Right, right? Something. Um, Get me a little loosened up. <laughs> it's yeah. fine. Uh, so my story is something that actually not even a lot of my family members know. Can I, can I preface this? Yeah. All right. So Alex, in terms of outer appearances, mm -hmm. okay? So like what I see or like what I saw the first time I met Alex, just for anybody that listens that doesn't know us, mm -hmm. Alex is like this tiny, petite, little, perfectly proportionate, <laughs> little sweet thing. And so... Uh, but I think that's important. Thank, no, thank you. But I and I think it's important it's for um, for people to hear like what, if especially if they don't know us. Yes, like yes. what my perspective of you mm -hmm. is versus your own. You it, know what I mean? It's because, absolutely important. Yes, because for me, I look at you and I'm like, I would kill to have a bum like Alex. <laughs> Alex has a perfect little butt, and so it is my best feature. It yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know that it's her best feature, <laughs> but it's definitely one of the good ones. But um, I just think that it's important for people to hear. I think it's important for like us mm -hmm. to hear what other, how other people see us. Mm -hmm. 
not that it matters. It's just nice to hear it, I yep. guess. Sometimes, I yeah. guess. Sometimes it's nice to hear it. But anyway, so that's my perspective of Alex. Before we hear her body story, her image, like her own body mm-hmm. image story, that was always my perspective of Alex. Well, and I think that like, perspective is important because no matter how perfect or well-proportioned we perceive other people's bodies to be, like <laughs> everyone, I think it's important to remember everyone has issues with their with their yep. body that they're struggling with yep. or that they have struggled with their entire lives. Yep. That that was my you said that better than I did, but that was my Yep. Yeah. Why, you know, I mean, yep. I think there's so many people that look at someone else and mm-hmm. they're like, "Oh, man." And you never think about the fact that every single human on this planet, I don't care if you're a man or a yes. woman or a child, you all have this it's like born in us to pick ourselves apart. Yep, absolutely. And then, you know. Our society, society kind of sets it up that way. <laughs> and then society and people around us yeah. screw with our brains even more. <laughs> Bullshit. Yep. But anyways, okay. go Carry on. Kay. Sorry to interrupt. No, you're fine. Okay, so this topic was brought on um, in my head last night because I, had a, I was having a conversation with our sweet Samantha, who's a great <sighs> listener of ours. Love her. And a good friend. She um, will be on here one day. Yes, she will. And I realized that in my conversation with her about talking about our bodies, and we have sort of similar stories about where we're coming from with our bodies, um, that I started to notice some anger creep up as I was telling a little bit of my story. And it, when the anger crept up, I was like, holy shit, that was a big sign that I was like, okay, I still actually have some healing to do around this. And I didn't even realize, because of course, like I say this all the time, healing comes in layers, right? It, healing is an onion. So you heal some things and then it layers off and then you, a new layer reveals itself. And so I went home last Maybe night. that's what's happening with Harriet, why she's being so sweet. <laughs> she has a layer of healing layer, that has happened. A layer of healing. She needs support. I, I support you. So I went home last night and I started journaling about it because I was like, hmm, this is interesting. There's some like inner child wound um, that's, that's creeping up around this. So okay, I thought, I'm going to interrupt again. Yeah. I love that your way of dealing with shit is to go and journal about it. Yeah. And my way of dealing with shit is to like be pissed off. Well, okay. I was, but I was pissed off first. I know, but then you handled it by journaling. Yeah. I handle it by just being pissed off. Well, I want like, I just want to like heal that part. You know what I mean? I just want to like. I know. This is one of the many ways you're much more mature than me. I got it. <laughs> it's true. So Fine. I started thinking about my body journey last night and I was like, and I, I wrote this little letter to myself, like forgiving myself for how I've treated my body over the years. Um, so obviously my, my body story started young. All of ours start young yep. um, based on like how we hear women around us talk about their own bodies as we're growing up and um, being raised in religious households and creating shame around our bodies and sexuality issues around our bodies and naming our body parts different things instead of what they are. And I mean, there's so many things, we so many rabbit holes we could go down with this topic, but... What, you don't call it a hoo-ha? <laughs> nope. Just kidding. I don't either. Sorry, guys. It's a vagina. It's a vagina. Um, <laughs> or a vagine, depending on when you're talking yeah, if about you're, it. Yeah, if you're wanting to be goofy, I have lots of names for oh, so it. <laughs> but if I'm talking to my children, it's a vagina. Yeah, yep. Oh, you stuck. So... Um, and of course, like I grew up and I'm sure that you did too in a, in a, in a time where there were lots of names for it. I think that now people are getting really good at just calling it for what it is and realizing that, you know, we don't want to create shame around it, um, or anything taboo around it. (laughs) Oh God, that was creepy as shit. I just looked over. So we record in my basement. I just looked over and there was a little, oh, oh, here it comes again, a little teeny hand under the door. (laughs) Let's see if I can get a picture of it next time and share with all of you. Oh my God, that is so funny. Okay, sorry. So, um, so when I was 14, oh my God, the cutest little things ever. So when I was 14, I started to get sick. Um, it was around the same time that I started my period. Um, and obviously my growth plates closed when I was 14. I'm very short. I'm 5'1". For those of you who have never met me in person, um, my, I started to get sick. Um, it first started with gynecological issues. So lots of issues with my reproductive system, such as like 
I had a, a rare type of cyst um, that would grow. And so I had a lot of issues around that. Um, and then when I turned 16, um, my health issues took a pretty dramatic turn. And I was sick for about four years. So between like 14 to 18, um, I had lost probably 20 pounds. By the time I was at my thinnest, I was like 85 pounds. So I was super, super skinny. And um, I had, I mean, of course, so many things. My body imagery or body image issues started in middle school because, again, I've always been pretty thin. Um, and I would have people in PE and like gym class tell me I looked like a boy and boy shorts and all sorts of stuff. And can we talk about the fact that if you're little, people talk shit because you're little. If you're bigger, yep. people talk shit because Absolutely. you're bigger. If you are perfectly proportionate, people talk shit about the fact that you're perfectly proportionate. And of course, those... can we teach our kids to be better? Yeah. Well, it's, it's all insecurity. It's all God. insecurity. All comes from insecurity. So yeah. So I had all these issues. And so at a pretty young age, I started to just kind of make fun of myself which of course I don't do now, but I started to make fun of myself because I was like, it was one of those things where I was like, okay, if I make fun of myself and I make fun of my own small boobs and my own whatever, then other people, I'll beat them to the punch kind of a thing. So that was a, that was a bad start <laughs> to, to the game. Um, but yeah, so I, uh, <laughs> smart. <laughs> I just had to lock the door. I don't, I don't want a little one to, you know, yep. make a guest appearance yeah. today. So, yeah. So, I, I had a lot of health issues. What happened was um, when I would eat, my stomach would swell up. And when I, my stomach would swell up, it would start hurting. And, of course, I wouldn't want to keep eating because it was so uncomfortable to eat. So, when I was 16, it took a pretty dramatic turn. And around the same time, um, I at that age, I was uh, sexually assaulted. And during that time, there was a whole court case and, um, you know, investigators involved and all sorts of things. And I had to go to primary children's and have a kit done. And um, that really, really tanked my body image, um, tanked it big time. That I mean, talk about like the shame encompassing my body at that point was just like astronomical. And so I had even more comments that were that were being made to me during that time and my own issues around my body during that time. And I had a job and it working at Old Navy. And this was sort of also around the time that like um, body positivity was starting to really make like a comeback. And so, but it's like any movement, you know, the pendulum swings from one extreme to the other before it kind of meets its way back in the middle. Right. And so it was, it, there started to be this thing around um, you know, like real women have curves, real women have this, real women have that to support, um, you know, different types of body styles that society hasn't necessarily supported throughout history. And so then I had people making those comments to me because I was skinny. And again, mind you guys, I was very skinny, mostly because I was super sick. And so I had lots of women asking me if I'd even be able to have kids or, oh, yeah, what is horrible wrong with things. people? Yep, if I'd be able to do that. Or if, um, uh, you know, like, I'm not a real woman because I don't have this or I don't have that or I have small breasts and I look like a boy and whatever that is, right? <sighs> so, bless you. I sneezed. Sorry, I tried to be as quiet as possible. I'm not typically <laughs> a quiet sneezer. I'm going I'm to let it all out yeah. kind of sneezer, but I was trying to be respectful of your, of your story. Oh, you're fine. So, yeah, so those those types of comments obviously were very hurtful for me at the time. Number one, because I was a kid and I was going through some pretty traumatic stuff. I was also really sick on top of that. Um, and then, of course, these comments that, by the way, women twice my age were making to me. So these aren't even kids my own age. These were women twice my age that I thought I looked up to were making comments like this to me at work or, you know, wherever. Um, school, those, you know, lots of different types of of places. So I had to work very, very hard. I finally had a surgery when I was 18 that kind of fixed all of my health stuff. Um, and from then on, like I was able to start slowly gaining weight again. And it was a really, really long road of self-discovery and self-love and healing from trauma and from being sick and from like, you know, all the things that I had quote, you know, learned about my body to coming into the space of like really loving my body for what it is no matter what anyone says. Um, 
So, yeah, that's part of my story. Well, I don't have like a... I don't remember really a time of how any of my body image issues and their issues that I know you yeah. don't like that, but minor issues for real. I don't know where they started, but they, it's always been there. I remember being a kid and looking at my thighs and thinking my thighs were way too big as like mm-hmm. a little kid. My stepmom, when I was growing up was very into like, she was a runner and she I mean, I think, and this is not a placing blame situation, um, but I think that her influence of, like, she was, like I said, a runner and tried to be healthy and tried to eat well, but I equated that in my mind as I needed to be like that, Mm -hmm. to be, you know, beautiful or to be Mm -hmm. worthy or whatever it is, and so... That started a lot of my, just my thinking, my thought processes, I think. But then, you know, as I grew, I, I never was like, I wasn't, I was never like a fat kid. Mm -hmm. I was never, you know, I didn't have boobs until I graduated high school, which sucked. Um, And then I got them like gigantor when I was in college and so, you know, there's always people that would like just, you know, they just make fun. That's just, they, that's how they live their life is by making other people feel like shit. Yep. And I dealt with that a lot. And I had zero self-esteem growing up. I did really stupid stuff because I just felt like, you know, if I do this, then someone will like me. I was such a follower. I was such a... I would just have done anything for people to like me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I grew up in a time, at least where I grew up, there weren't as many, like, divorced families. And, you know, people would say just... And as I think about it now, it's so stupid. But when you're, you know, in fourth and fifth grade, people would say stuff like, yeah, well, at least I don't have two moms and two dads and just stupid shit like yep. that. Mm-hmm. That now I'm like, mm-hmm. if someone... Said that to my kids, I'd be like, okay, it's buck up. But it felt like it was just, it was just one more thing that just made me different from everyone else. Yeah. And it was just one more thing that was just hurtful. Yep. And so I just had, it wasn't even just a body issue. I just had full, like zero self esteem. Mm-hmm. I struggled. My stepmom and I did not get along. So I always felt like I needed to be someone different so that she would like me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I can remember telling my mom one time, well, if I was just more like Jennifer, Jennifer's my sister. If I was just more like Jennifer, I'm not going to say my stepmom's name because we have a really great relationship now. She's not my stepmom anymore. But but I just said, you know, if if I was more like Jennifer, then maybe she would like me, mm-hmm. my stepmom. And I remember my mom crying. I remember that so well. And I I don't have, it's weird, I don't have a ton of, like, I, I don't have memories like you have. And it's weird because I know I had experiences. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't know, my brain just doesn't hold on to them, I guess. I have no idea. But that is one memory that I have that will never go away, mm-hmm. is I remember my mom crying and saying, why would you want to change? You are, oh, it makes me sad to think about it because I think about my kids and I just think mm-hmm. if one of them came to me and said that, it would break my heart. Yeah. But I remember her saying, you know, you don't have to change. You don't have to be any different. And so, and then, I mean, as I progressed into like adulthood and I got married and I, you know, was living this life that was 100% not the life I was supposed to be living. Mm-hmm. And um, one of my friends talked me into competing in bodybuilding, which was, I, I really enjoyed my time doing that. But if you think about what that is, and some people thrive in that environment mm-hmm. and bless them. For me, it was just one more thing where I was sitting back looking at everyone else. Yep. 
picking myself apart, Mm -hmm. trying to figure out why I wasn't as good as them. Mm -hmm. And I was in like physically looking in the mirror, the very best shape of my life. I mean, I would shit, I'd kill to look like that today. Minus all the hard work and chicken and asparagus I had to eat. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember being at the first competition and I looked incredible. Mm -hmm. And standing there looking at all the other women and I couldn't even enjoy what I had accomplished because I was too busy comparing myself to everyone else. And, you know, I did that for, I don't know, a while. I don't even know how long I competed for. Um, but then I got really sick towards the end of my last cycle of competing. And, you know, I needed a surgery to take care of some stuff. And my doctor was like, we need to do this soon. And I refused to have it done before I competed. And so I was, you know, a super caloric deficit in everything that I was eating. I, nothing I was doing was healthy for my body. Yeah. And I was sick. And I went into that last competition. And even now, as I look at those pictures, I looked great, but I still pick all of that apart because my body just started to like, it was like a full on mutiny against me and mm-hmm. against what I was doing. So everything yeah. that I would eat, my body was just holding on to. It's almost like it was in starvation mode. Mm. I don't know. I mean, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I don't know. I could be wrong, but it felt like everything that I would eat, good, bad, or otherwise, my body was just holding on to. Mm. And I was super bloated and I just, I didn't look great. I remember standing backstage And like I said, I was sicker than shit. And this girl, and you know, mind you also, when I was competing, I had already had two kids. So my body is different at that point than the 20 year olds that have never had a kid. Mm -hmm. It just is. And I remember her looking at me and then looking at her little friend next to her saying, it's funny how you can just, uh, you can point out the people who didn't stop drinking for this. Wow. And I was just like. Are wow. you kidding me? And that was kind of the the moment where I realized that that world wasn't for me. No way. Because they had no idea. And yeah, I mean, I'm sure that people who didn't stop drinking for the competitions probably were bloated and mm-hmm. were drinking had nothing to do with where I was at. That's and, but it was just like, but that's all it was, was all about who looks better. And Now, don't get me wrong. There were some really incredibly supportive, amazing humans in that industry. Mm -hmm. And I was around a lot of them. But that moment was just like, this is stupid. And I had surgery two days later. Wow. And I was, I was sick. And that, and then I gained 27 pounds in three days. Oh, wow. So my like metabolism was so messed up. Mm -hmm. My hormones were all messed up. I... I was sick and then, I mean, I had a whole host of issues after like I had that surgery and we had already had a trip to Disneyland planned with my kids and my doctor's like, you'll be fine. You can go, you know, just listen to your body. Mm -hmm. So we went to Disneyland a few days after I had that surgery and she said, just don't get in the ocean. Like Mm -hmm. don't swim. And you know, she's, and she just told me, just listen to your body. If you feel like you shouldn't get on a ride, don't get on a ride. Because she told me, you'll be fine. And I was, but then there was a complication and I started to hemorrhage when I was in California. And anyways, so there was just this whole host of everything going on. Mm -hmm. And so I went from being in the best shape of my life to this really weird shell of myself. I was sick and then I also just felt like shit about the way that I looked. I don't think I've ever recovered from that. Mm. And, uh, you know, I mean, I've gone up and down. Then when I had my baby, I struggled there too. Like I was gigantic when I was pregnant. I got preeclampsia. Mind you, by the way, I've seen pictures of her and she looked absolutely fucking beautiful. (laughs) So I'm just going to add that in there. You were not gigantic. Well, I was. You should have seen my feet. We, maybe we'll post some pictures of my feet. <laughs> of your feet? <laughs> when I was pregnant. Like, the only thing I could wear was Birkenstocks. That's and I pretty... had them. Oh, wait. I had them 
on the, like the last little hole and I had bruises on the tops of my feet Ow. because my feet were so fat they would squish up through the straps. Yeah, but that's like water weight. Well, yeah. I mean, and it was. Um, and I just, preeclampsia, if any of you ladies have had it, bless you. It is no joke. But anyway, so I had her and then after having her, I just, I was 35 years old and I'm going to tell you, my first baby I had at 21, my second baby I had at 26, my third baby I had at 35. Pregnancy after 30 is no joke. So all of you ladies, I think if I hadn't had the first two experiences that were so simple, Mm -hmm. it would have been different. But you women that are having babies at 35, 38, 40. Shit, lady. You guys are amazing. I know. That's probably going to be me. I know. And <laughs> But it going from, because when you're 21, which, right. why someone let me take a baby home from the hospital at 21, I don't know. That's, Holy crap. Yeah, thinking about having a baby at 21 oh. makes me want to pee myself. But he's the best kid in the oh, yeah. entire world. Fucking love boy. him. But um, so anyways... It's so easy to bounce back. Like, I was back in my regular jeans, mm-hmm. like, the day that I got home from the hospital with him. Damn. Like, it just, your body yeah. just, I mean, it's what your body's made to do. It's, right. But with my last one, I struggled to bounce back. And um, there, there were a lot of things that went on in that period, like, after I had. Is she shivering? Are you shivering? No, she just like she wrinkles up her back. Okay. No, she's not shivering, but I'll hold it. <laughs> but there were a lot of things that kind of went on in that period too, where, you know, I mean, this was Chad's first baby. He, you know, took on my big kids. So he was a dad, but this was his first baby. And so there was a large adjustment period there um, in general. And I. I have struggled a lot. I mean, my body is different. My body is 100% different than it was even before I had her, Mm -hmm. like even before I got pregnant. And there are just things that my body is holding on to that I haven't been able to get rid of. And I don't have a ton of time. Like, you know, when I was competing, I spent four to six six hours a day in the gym. Mm -hmm. I don't have time to do that anymore. And I don't want to. I really like to be with my family. I really like to be, I really like my job. I really like to be with my family. So I'm lucky if I get a half an hour a day to, to spend on myself. And so, you know, that doesn't help the fact that my body isn't where I want it to be. It's holding on to stuff that I don't want it to hold on to. And working out is not my highest priority. Although I know it should be. And I do spend time. We we have that Peloton and I do spend, I try to get on there three or four days a week. But it's not my priority. And because I lived, I, I lived a life where that was the only thing that was important and everything else kind of suffered. And so I struggle finding that balance mm-hmm. between how do I do it all? How do I, how do I take care of my, my business, my job? and my family and myself. And I, I struggle finding that balance of how to do that. And I am the one who ends up being the lowest priority. And truly, I know there's a million people that are going to say that that's not right. That's not how it should be. That's how it is for me. And I enjoy that that's how it is for me honestly like I really like where I'm at in my life right now um but I struggle with how I look I struggle with how clothes fit I struggle there's a lot there's a whole lot of things that I struggle with on this end and I know that if I made myself more of a priority then some of that would change Mm -hmm. but I I'm not willing to, well, I'm not willing to let my children feel like they aren't the priority and I don't know quite how to make all of this work. Yeah. But I'm trying. (laughs) Well, your part where you were saying like your body's holding on to to things. So I've been, they've been doing a lot of research on this. um, And that's why a lot of like 
a lot of health coaches are going about, you know, helping people in a more, I don't know, I guess you could say in in, an intuitive way in a sense, Mm -hmm. or like holistic route, instead of like giving everyone a specific diet, um, because they've been doing research showing that like, I mean, our bodies, it's proven that our bodies store memories, um, throughout our entire body. So not just our brain. So they've done um, experiments. They started with rats. And so they would teach these rats to go through this maze and get the cheese at the end, right? And throughout the experiment, they would start taking pieces of the brain out of the rat. And each time, the rat would still make it all the way to the cheese. And so they got to the point where they took away literally the entire brain. And the only thing that was left was the brain stem. And even with just a brainstem, that rat could make it all the way to the cheese. So they started um, studying people that, because by the way, there are people born with just brainstems, FYI. And if they're not um, preconditioned that they are going to struggle because they just have a brainstem, they can live a totally full, normal life. Um, In fact, there was somebody at a training last year um, whose father, same thing, was just born with a brainstem. Um, but he was able to live a normal life and conceive children even. So these studies, like the science has, has proven that we store memories throughout our entire body. And when we store trauma and stress throughout our entire body or those types of memories or whatever, um, that it start we start holding on to weight and different things like that. And our bodies start to operate on a different scale because we've got all the stored stuff. Maybe that's why I don't have memories like you. Maybe my memories are stored in my fat cells instead of my brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know how to pull from the fat cells versus my brain oh my cells. <laughs> but so that's why like a lot of like health coaches now are going like not only like a mindfulness route, but um just you know a different a different route with our body because obviously of course not one thing works for everyone, first of all. But um, yeah, because we're, we're storing so much trauma. I mean, that was my issue, like, like with my body. I mean, I was, even after I'd had surgery when I was eight, 19, 18, um, which, you know, I thought we were going in to find cancer at the time. Um, I was going to multiple different specialists in, in different areas. Anyway, um, what we found out actually, interestingly enough, I was going to like one of the best gynecologists in Utah and, we finally just decided to do exploratory surgery because we couldn't, I mean, it had been four years. I'd lost so much weight. Um, we'd tried so many different things to put weight on me. And I was just so sick that I was just like, I'm almost 18. I'm, I'm going to make these decisions for myself now. And I say yes to the surgery. Let's just go in and see what's up. So they went in and they actually found out that my fallopian tube was pulled up two inches higher than it's supposed to be. And it was attached to my bowels and my appendix. So it was causing issues in my gastrointestinal system and my reproductive system, which is why I was going to multiple different specialists. And it's also why they couldn't see anything in scans because you can't see that unless you actually go in. Um, So, you know, even after that surgery, like I still had been holding on to so much stress and trauma in my body that even though I was supposed to be physically healthier, my immune system was shit. So I continued to be sick for years after that. Um, I ended up getting my tonsils taken out when I was 22. So I continued to, I got um, bronchitis three times a year, almost like at the exact same time, three times a year. Um, I had battled pneumonia. I had gotten mono twice, which is rare. Um, I had gotten pleurisy. I mean, I really, really, really struggled with like immune you were issues. A hot damn mess. Yeah. Yeah, I was. I was. It was all. And it's funny because I didn't realize it at the time. Now looking back in hindsight, now that I'm, you know, I'm healthy and I've been working so much on my mental health over the years that I didn't realize so much of that trailed back to my mental health. Like all these issues with my body trailed back to storing stress and trauma in my body and how it affected my immune system. And um, so it was finally after that I, I got my tonsils out that I started this like road to true recovery, which was mind, body, and spirit. And that I'm, I mean, you know, it was a, it was a really long road from there, but now I, I'm very healthy and I rarely get sick and I 
have worked very, very hard to kind of like restore this, this love for my body um, because we only get one, you know, <laughs> in this lifetime. True. And, um, and there's no point in not, and not trying to love it in some way, right? Like I, and I think about that too with, with kids and, you know, someday when I do have kids, like, and I, and I go through pregnancy and all these things, like I want to be able to love my body through it and love my body through different phases of life. And it's not easy. Nope. Right. It's nope. of course it's not easy, but I'm going to fucking try. And I'm well, teaching your kids that it's so is, important oh, and it's hard. Yeah. Like I have to be, cause I'm not happy with where my body is right now. I'm just not, I have to be really careful with how I speak about myself mm-hmm. when I am talking to my kids. Because for one, I don't want my boy to think that the only thing that's important about a woman is the shape of her body. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I want him to, or anyone, I want him to grow up, well, and he has grown almost, but I want him to be compassionate and look at people and, you know, love their soul and love their spirit and their body is the least important part of the equation. And that's important to me to teach my kids that, Mm -hmm. that the, you know, you need to look past that. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you, everyone needs to take care of themselves. And I agree. Um, but your physical body and the way your physical body looks is the least important part. Absolutely. And I need my kids to know that. I need them to understand that the the most beautiful part of a human has nothing to do with their body. Mm -hmm. And they need to know that they need to understand that they need to believe that they need to live that Yep. because judging someone based on their body or, you know, deciding whether or not they are worthy of whatever Mm -hmm. based on their body is not only is it hurtful, it's stupid. Yep. (laughs) <laughs> and it it can cause so much more damage. Well, and to yourself, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And to yourself, like making those judgments, it's, um, and, and that's kind of what I was talking about, like with the intuitive, like, I just want to feel good. I just want to be mm-hmm. healthy. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care. I don't give a rat's ass about what my body looks like physically by the end of the day. I want to make sure that I'm doing what feels good to my body. Like, that's what's important to me after being sick like that for so long. Like, and of course my story is nothing extreme in comparison to a lot of people. Um, you know, it's more than some, less than others. Um, but like at the end of the day, I just want to make sure that like I'm taking care of this little vessel that I'm in, in this life and that I feel good in this vessel. And, um, and when I'm around women, like, and I truly, I don't, I don't spend time with these types of people anymore because it doesn't make me feel good. Um, when I'm around women and, you know, for example, a couple years ago, Uh, I went out to lunch with a friend of mine and she started making fun of a woman who came in wearing like tight clothes. And, um, and I just looked at her and I was like, you know, that says absolutely nothing about that woman, everything about you and how you feel about your body. Yep. And it's just not kind. It's not kind. Like I want to spend time with women that are going to be supportive of it. Because here's the, here's the deal. If you're around women and nobody is making fun of anybody, you're around women that don't care enough to make fun of other people. Well, I saw a thing the other day on Facebook of all places, but it's a shirt and it says, the badass woman in me honors the badass yes. woman in you. And I thought, hell yes. Yes. That is the person I want to be. Yes. I don't want women to not feel comfortable around me. Right. I don't want to feel uncomfortable around other women. Yes. I am surrounded daily like by super successful, beautiful, kind mm-hmm. women. I I'm going to brag just a little for a minute. My office is fucking impressive. The the people that work in our office mm-hmm. are amazing. And we are a very woman heavy office. Mm -hmm. So I'm surrounded by beautiful, successful women all day long. And I don't ever want to be in a situation where I feel like I am not worthy to first be their leader Mm -hmm. and second, be around them. 
And that's been important to me. That's been what has been my driving force, especially mm-hmm. in the last six months, is what what my body looks like says nothing about who I am, what I'm mm-hmm. capable of, and what what I do on a daily basis. I I'm surrounded by incredible humans all day long. And I have the opportunity to be their leader. Yep. And that's really important. So I have to be comfortable in who I am. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I would be intimidated as shit by all of these women all day long. Yep. And I don't want to be that girl. I refuse to be that girl. It's not comfortable. No, it's, it's not comfortable for anyone. And and I still have those moments, right? There are still times where, because again, like our, our body image journey is, is a, it's a, a forever thing, right? Growth is a forever thing. It's Man, never ending. Wouldn't it be nice if it would get a little goddamn easier? <laughs> it does Shit. get easier. It totally gets easier. It does. The more you work on it, the easier it gets. And the more that you can be aware of like when the triggers come up and the more you can be aware of those triggers, the easier it gets to work and heal through them. Like now for me, like even last night when I got, you know, I was talking about the story of mine and I started to get angry. It was like immediately I was like, Ooh, okay. There's a shift. There's a trigger. Let's let's figure out where this trigger is coming from and let's cut let's work through it. Like, hey, inner child, I'm gonna hold you and thank you for trying to protect me, but I don't need you to protect me anymore. Let's heal through this this energy. And and like even now still, and by the way, if if I don't want the story to seem sad, I'm very grateful for my journey. I'm incredibly fucking grateful for my journey because it's taught me a lot and I have been able to move through a lot of it and I'm very confident and happy with my body now. And, um, but there are still times where I'll go on Instagram and there are women that I look up to that are more comfortable in their bodies and have healed more than I have. And there are times where, you know, they'll post something that triggers me that I'm like, Ooh, wow. Oh man. She can't believe she posted that but at the same time, it's like, boom, awareness. Okay. I love that she posted that. I think what she posted is fucking beautiful. What about that is triggering me? Where do I need to heal so that Guys, I can come in and support? Can we all try to do that? <laughs> I mean, like, there's, we're all triggered by something. Of there's course. All, and we we're all have, beings. like, envy. Mm-hmm. And we, we all have that. Yeah. But can we all try to be a little bit more, like... Alex in that situation. I <laughs> Where, promise. But I mean, what you feel about another woman has nothing to do with that other woman. No. It has everything to do with you yes. and the and the pain that you are dealing with. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It's okay for you to have that. It's perfectly that feeling. okay. It's normal. What's not okay is for you to be mean or yes. to be ugly about it and lash out. I mean, there's there's a girl that she is so kind. She is part of the fitness industry and she is also a realtor and she posts, um, a ton of pictures of her, like at the gym or working out. And there's so many times where I'm like, ah, cause she's just, she's perfect. Mm-hmm. She's been through a lot of shit mm-hmm. and I have the same feeling like with you, when you say, you know, you see whatever, when I see her pictures or whatever, my first feeling often it's getting better, but is like is envy and is almost judgment. And Mm -hmm. I hate that part of me. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be that person because this, this woman, first of all, she's working her ass off in every phase of her life in every part of her life. She's working her ass off. We also need to remember the stuff that we see on Facebook or Instagram or social in general. That is, that's, that's the highlight reel. Absolutely. We're not seeing the struggle. We're Mm -hmm. not seeing, I mean, if any of you are friends with me on social media, I promise you don't see my struggles. I don't, it's not something that I do. I'm not, I don't put it all out there. So all of the stuff that you see on my social media is all of the stuff that I want you to see. Yep. And we have to remember that, that most people, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Most people don't put the bad stuff out there. Yep. It doesn't mean they don't have it. It means that they're not comfortable sharing it all the time. And that's okay. But we have to remember that when we're looking at, you know, these perfect lives and these perfect people and these perfect situations, 
This is the stuff that they want you to see. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's scary as shit to put that stuff out there. Even this podcast right now, Ugh. even recording and telling you guys everything that we just told you is so fucking scary. Oh, God. And it vulnerable is. to come out publicly about that stuff. I mean, can you imagine the types of trolls on the internet that are so easily from a, a back screen of a computer can just talk all the shit about somebody in their body and whatever? If somebody were to like come and granted, the women that I've seen that do come out about the struggle, boy, I applaud you all day long. Oh, yeah. Because you are a leader and you are shifting this this society of ours, and it is so brave. It's so brave, and I support you. And um, and it's it's not an easy thing to do. It's not easy at all. No, it's terrifying, actually. You know, I mean, we, we all live, I don't know how to say this. I know for me personally, and I've said this before, like my job is, it's, well, it's one of the most important things in my life. I I love my job. I love what I get to do. I love that I get to do this. And it's like, it's awesome. And I can support my family doing it. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. But part of what comes along with my job is a lot of the, and I think it comes along with everyone's job. This is just my experience. There's a lot of that negative, ugly, people have a lot of stuff to say about me in my job. And so coming out like this and giving people more fuel for mm-hmm. their fire is hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually like quite terrifying. You know, I mean, Alex and I, when we started this podcast, we wanted it to be like this. We wanted it to be open and vulnerable. And that was our goal. Mm-hmm. And then every time we talk about subjects like this that are vulnerable, it scares the shit out of me and I don't really want to do them. <laughs> and I have to always go back to remembering why we started this and mm-hmm. why we've done it the way that we've done it. Because it's terrifying to me. Mm-hmm. It's it's giving certain people that much more of an opportunity to try to hurt me. But hopefully it's giving many more people a little bit of a glimpse into the fact that we all, the names are different, but the stories are the same, you guys. We yep. all deal with this stuff. There are very few people out there that have the perfect body. And even if they do, I guarantee they're sitting there in the mirror looking yeah. at what they need to do differently. And it's, it's just our perception of what the perfect body is to us. Yep. Right? And, and it's completely different yep. for everybody. Like, like I said, when I was competing, standing in that back room, I have a picture. Maybe I'll, I have to get permission from another girl that's in the picture. Um, but I have a picture. It was the best I've ever looked in my entire life. And I remember in that moment, like right before that picture was taken, looking around at all of the other incredible, beautiful women in that room, thinking, I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. I'm not good enough. And that to me is heartbreaking. Yep. I had worked so hard to get there. It was supposed to be like a a crowning moment of what I had done. And all I could do was look around. And think I wasn't enough. You know, I um, it's it's one of those things where it's like, <laughs> I will be happy when, you know, we can say this about lots of different areas in our life. Like, Every I will be happy when I get that job. I will be happy when I'm able to purchase this house. I'll be happy when I have this much in savings. I will be happy when my body looks like this. But it doesn't matter because even when you get to that point, if you haven't worked on being happy now, in the moment, you're not going to be happy then. Yep. And we can both attest to that. We can oh, yeah, both we've ad- both been there. We both have been there where it's like, okay, we've reached these these image these images of our body that we had in mind that it was like, this is my goal, and then we get there, and it's like, nope, I still feel like shit. Yep. I still have all of these psychological things that I didn't break these habits of, yes, of I'm not enough, of comparison issues, of, you know what I mean? Like, I will be happy when is complete bullshit. Bullshit. You bullshit. have to work on being happy now. And by the way, your bodies are absolutely fucking perfect exactly the way that they are. 
we are, you know, and I, I of course can't speak for all of our listeners. I don't know what you guys are dealing with like health wise, but like for me and for you, for the most part, we're fucking healthy. We can get up, we can do what we need to do on an everyday basis. We're able to walk, we're able to exercise when we choose to, we're able to, you know, work and take yeah. care of our families. Yes. And, and love yep. like that to me done. I'm good. Like that's great. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's Except my belly. Keeps that's growling. a goal. <laughs> Well, this one was tough. This yeah. this was tough. And I hope that this was helpful to more of you. Um, this one was, this was a biggie for us. Um, Can we end with some tips on, yes, on some self-love to, if you're struggling with body issues and you're wanting to start shifting that and start figuring out like ways to love yourself. Um, you know, one thing that I, a long time ago, actually, I think it was my therapist <laughs> um, when I was sick uh, told me to do these exercises and it, it it's something that I still do now and it's hard. But so mirror work. Um, oh, that would be tough. It is tough. It's so tough. But I'm telling you, it's insanely impactive um, or impactful if you if you if you do it. So if you, um, you know, after you get out of the shower, stand in front front of your mirror and say to yourself out loud things that you love about your body and just start going through your body. So it's like you go from head to toe. Like, I really love my hair. I love my eyes. I love my smile. So I'm working my way down. I love my breasts. I love this belly of mine. Like, and you're just holding these parts of your body with your hands and sending love to those spaces of your body. And it's going to be hard at first and you might cry. I definitely like bawled my eyes out the first couple of times that I did it. But after a while, it got easier and it got easier and it got easier. And now it's like I'm able to genuinely hold different spaces of my body and send love there and truly feel like I love my body. Um, so that's one way. Of course, affirmations is is a really good one. Um, writing down 10 things you love about your body every day is one that I started doing last year. I do that with people that piss me off. It's so. <laughs> really good. Actually. I have I love to that. sometimes. There are definitely times where I'm like, God, I hate you so much. Mm-hmm. I better do a little bit of work mm-hmm. so that I hate you a little less. I love it. Yeah, um, that that's a really good. That's one that I I love doing with with my clients that I'm coaching is is having them write down ten things they love about their body every day. Um, because again, it gets easier and easier and easier, and then it's like one of those things where you you're changing the way your brain is operating, right? You're changing these negative self talk patterns and shifting them into a more positive direction and you will love your body um like you'll start to shift that and then a last one that I really like that now I can't remember I hate when that happens um I guess it really wasn't that important oh okay sorry I know um if you're out and about with friends, family, whatever or even if you're scrolling through social media just be aware of when things trigger you Mm -hmm. that's Um, a biggie that's a big one it's a big one first of all stop talking shit on other women out loud yeah don't do it it's just not kind can just think about the fact of where you're at in your own life and how you would feel if someone pointed out your worst feature and i'm sorry you feel is your worst feature yeah it's not nice and stop doing it we've all we have all been we've all done this yeah totally let's be better yep Let's be the women that take care of other women. It's fucking hard Mm -hmm. to do this every day. Whether you, it's, it's fucking hard. So can we just be nice? (laughs) I, I just, and if you have something negative to say about another woman, I don't want to hear it. Agreed. I, let's work on building women up because you realize women, these women typically, not always, but typically these women are the people that are raising our next generation. Mm -hmm. So how about we do what we can to support them Mm -hmm. so that they can be as mentally strong and healthy as they raise the next generation of people who are going to be, you know, hanging out with our children. And like, let's just be nice. Let's just be nice. I'm sorry if that sounded kind of aggressive. That was aggressive. aggressive. And I don't care. (laughs) That was aggressive, but it's that important. It is important. And it's important for you. I've been on the other end of, you know, you're just too fat. You don't look right. Mm-hmm. You, I've been on the other end of that. And can we stop? Can this stop being a thing that's, mm-hmm. that happens? Can we just 
choose to look at people for who they are and not what they look like? Yeah. Can this stop being a thing? Mm-hmm. I, I'm tired of it. So and take the opportunity when that happens to, instead of directing that energy towards someone else who definitely doesn't deserve it, to look inward and say, okay, what about that woman triggered me? What limiting beliefs do I have that created that? Or what memories am I, um, are coming up for me? What inner child wounds need to be healed here? And just start by journaling it. Um, journaling about it will, will uncover a lot of shit. They've done a lot of studies about that, about how, how thinking and journaling are two very different things. And when you journal, your brain's able to process things in a different way. And so there's a lot of healing and, uh, and epiphanies that can come. Well, and really at the end of the day, let's just stop being assholes. That too. I mean that I, I am ending this a little bit aggressive. This is maybe I should go journal because I'm obviously triggered, (laughs) (laughs) but I, uh, we're going to end this like Ellen, be kind to one another. I love that. That's all. I, I have a good one. Alyssa, my cute friend that I always bring up, um, says something every morning to herself. She wakes up and she says, today is going to be a great day. I'm going to treat everyone with love and kindness. I love it. I'm not even going to give us a plug for our social media. You know where to find us. We love you all. Thank have you a great for day. Listening.